Welcome to Photo Mission Focus, Discussing Photography, a podcast all about the things that we love about photography. This is Focus on Rotation, where I have different hosts joining me at the desk as we share and learn each week. Come and enjoy this week's episode with us. Welcome to Photo Mission Focus, Discussing Photography. Hi, I'm Steve Finkel. And I'm flying solo on this episode of Photo Mission Focus. It's been kind of interesting times in uh, where I live in southeast Queensland. We've been hit by a big rain event and uh, a lot of flooding. I think every time something like this happens, it always makes you kind of think about and seeing literally thousands and thousands of houses inundated with water and all their belongings actually, you know, destroyed and ruined. And one of the things that I always, you know, think about for those poor people is I hope they've been able to get their photographic records out or protected before the event occurred but for some people unfortunately if they're not at the property when it happens then obviously the chances of some of their um, you know photographic records from their family and different things may be destroyed so in this episode of Focus I thought maybe it's timely to start thinking about and we have talked about it in many many episodes a long time ago we had talked about, you know, backing up your stuff in an emergency, what to do. And I think that was kind of around the, the time when Australia was going for a lot of bushfires and same type of thing. People had to, you know, pack up, quickly leave the house and quite often, you know, they couldn't obviously grab everything. So I think it's, yeah, it's always good to think about where your images, where, you, where your images currently reside, where are they, how you store them. Um, are they all stored in on one location? So if, say, for instance, if that location was to get hit by a flood or, or some other natural disaster, would you be able to, you know, recover those things? Would they be damaged? You know, are they, are they you know, sealed in some type of, um, you know, container or some type of uh, structure? I mean, I've, I keep, I've got a uh, little fireproof case and it's basically all my backup SD cards and bits and bobs and things that you know, that I want to protect is stored in that. So even if I couldn't get it out in event of a fire, hopefully, you know, if the manufacturer is, is telling me the truth that, that everything inside that case will be okay, it won't be affected by the heat from the fire. But then all my other stuff is backed up on various different platforms on NAS drives. You know, we have, fortunately, we have an office uh, where we have a big NAS drive set up where we store stuff, but also then I have all my home computer drives and all that type of stuff and um, and also have things backed up like I said with SD cards and other things but I think it's always good to sit back and look at your process and look at how you're archiving stuff and you know when you look at the price of say you can buy like a two terabyte drive which you know two terabyte drive for a lot of people that can fit a lot of images on on a two terabyte drive you know just buying a couple of two terabyte drives and backing up all the most I suppose you know, critical images that you've got and putting them in various different locations. You know, if you've got access to family members or other places where you might be able to, you know, safely store a hard drive, um, at least you're spreading the risk around a bit, you know, rather than having them all in one location. I mean, just think about it. If you had, you know, your computer at home and you backed up your images to a hard drive at home, but they're all in the one location if something was to happen at that location and you couldn't actually get to those items to rescue them for whatever reason then your backup is going to be gone as well as your your primary source of those images 
And I think, you know, some people are using cloud services and that's great, but um, cloud services can be a bit limited by the by the cost to store any, you know, real great number of images. As I said, you can set up things like um, with my NAS storage at the office, I've got remote access to it. So I can actually download images to the office and back them up on that drive. And that's a that particular NAS drive has a number of drives that back up to each other. So if one drive fails, and I've had the situation where we've had um, um, one of the drives has failed in the past, and then but we didn't lose anything because the second drive um, was fine. And then what we did, we basically recovered it and put two brand new drives in that machine. So basically, felt that we got our We'd had them in there for a couple of years, and that's the other thing too with things like NAS drives. You know, drives don't last forever. Drives are spinning around in there all the time, um, working, writing. So at some point, you know, your backup systems can fail. So just, you know, the fact that you might have looked at this a couple of years ago and you'd set something up, it may be time to go back and revisit it because, like I said, some of these systems don't basically last forever. Like obviously can have issues after they've been sitting there for many, many years. But like I said, you could go out and buy some portable little, you know, some people call them expansion drives or portable drives, and they're typically USB 3 um, powered that you can plug them in the computer and, you know, write stuff to them. And like I said, I've got a number of two terabyte drives where I've backed up a lot of stuff and it's just kind of just because of all this event was happening, it kind of made me think I want to try and back up have another form of backup so um I've, I've done that and then um also in our office we have a um a fireproof cabinet in the office where we keep stuff as well so again the idea being is in an event of a fire um that would be okay these things don't always work in the event of a flood but because quite often just because something's fireproof doesn't mean it's waterproof um, some of them can be, but um, sometimes people do that. But fortunately, the location where our office is, we're very high, so we're not going to ever going to have flood events. So really, my, my, I suppose my immediate threat would be something like a fire event or something like that. And hopefully, you know, the the technology in that cabinet does its job and it works to preserve what's inside there and protect it. So I think it's something you've always got to be thinking about. Like even like I said, it's um, and, and situations change too because where you may have had been able to store stuff previously might have been through a workplace connection or some other connection that may change, and you may not have kind of thought about oh geez my situation's changed now, and I don't have that facility available to me anymore to better store that there. I need to find somewhere else. But like I said, every time there's kind of a natural emergency or a natural disaster I think it's you know makes people th- sit there and think especially when you're watching the news and you're and you're watching people like I said you know basically getting out of their properties with the, just the clothes on their back and what they can carry in their hands typically you know they're grabbing their mobile phone and and you know very little else if they have to have to kind of escape quickly so in this episode like I said the idea is to try and get you thinking about looking at doing stuff with your with your images, how you protect them and those types of things. And look, some, some, some ideas that you can do these days, I mean, in the scale of things, memory cards are quite cheap. So with memory cards, that's potentially a way that you can have another way to archive your work is by, you know, if you can afford to purchase 
memory cards and be able to not have to use them a second time and basically be able to store them somewhere safely, you know, you know where they're protected from moisture or fire or heat or, or dust or those types of things, that potentially then you've got the original, you know, back in the day where you used to keep the negatives. So memory cards are very much like your negatives. Like that's where the, the first point, that's where the, you know, the, the image from the camera has been written to. Once you take it out of the camera and you rewrite it and move it around, it's obviously, you know, it's it becomes the image becomes second, third generation. Not that that degrades it, but it just means that, you know, you're moving it around. But you can keep that original memory card. That can, like I said, give you a another point of being able to protect. That's, of course, if, you know, if you can afford to do that. Like I said, the other method, obviously, is things people do look at, stuff like cloud storage. And, and typically with cloud storage, obviously, you need to be able to move the um, data from where you're located, which is typically going to be using like an internet connection, and storing it up on a cloud server somewhere where you can actually port down. I mean, some of the advantages are that of, of doing that is that you can be anywhere in the world, and if you need to access your information or get those files, you can actually do that. So for some people, paying for cloud storage and the upload-download costs associated with that is well worth it because the benefits um, outweigh the costs. But I think for the average person, that's probably, other than, say, you know, some of the, the different platforms will give you a certain amount of free um, storage where you could definitely do that to store the most kind of precious photos. I mean, the other thing to think about is is kind of rating your photos into what would be what would be critical photos so if you if you you know you had limited limited access to grab your photos which which photos would be the nearest and dearest which ones would you want to keep would they be family events would they be you know images that you've taken that you've won awards with or or other things i mean we all have a lot of images that probably in the truth being said don't really hold much value to us we've taken them and we've kept them because one day we might do something with them or one day we might be able to, you know, we might want that image for something, but for the main part, it sits there on a hard drive and never really sees the light of day. And look, one of the things I suppose um, to think about the pictures that are probably nearest and dearest, sometimes they're the things that you share on social media. So, you know, if you were to go off and back up all the images that you've shared on social media, because obviously you had a reason for sharing them, you're obviously very proud of the image or it was some type of significant point in your life and you wanted to celebrate that with people so you shared that image. So that, that's another way to think about it is kind of rate the images. So that way using some of the cloud storage services that come with some of the different software platforms, even things like Microsoft Office will give you on their OneDrive and, and different things like that, they give you a certain amount of space. Even Dropbox and other things, you can get a free account and you can get a certain amount of space that would be ideal for, I suppose, the average person if they just wanted to store a few of those more precious um, pictures that, you know, memories and those type of things. So think about going through and maybe rating the pictures. So when you're, when you're actually storing them on your computer, may, maybe you develop a system. You know, a lot of people use the, the star system in things like um, Lightroom and other programs have similar type of things where you can rate pictures. You know, maybe even like when you're storing the pictures, have them that you rate them in such a way that you know makes it easy. Say every 
every few months if you want to back up some stuff to a cloud or you're backing it up more regularly that you know that I'm going to back these ones up first. They're the ones that mean the most to me and if I have any space left over, I can back up some of the other images. I think just developing some systems and developing some techniques and I suppose, but also developing that discipline. I think with backing up stuff, it has to be a discipline. You have to be able to make it a part of kind of your workflow. I mean, a lot of people, you know, they get out, they shoot, they get in, they quickly get the images off, they have to edit some images up and then they're moving off and they're off shooting again, moving around and they don't have time to sometimes fully deal with it. Other people are much more set up when, you know, when they come home that they start to download them to their remote storage devices or other setups they've got to be able to kind of have those images um, protected and locked away um, somewhere for safety. But I think, again, it becomes a... It has to become a discipline. It has to be something that you've got to purposely go out and want to do. And for all of us, I think it's it's really one of those really easy traps to fall into is just not to do anything because it seems like it's just too hard. And I th- look, so do people, yeah, it, it's easy to kind of fall down that rabbit hole and, and thinking it is hard to kind of do stuff. But, I mean, it's so worthwhile. Like, I mean, you'll be... Obviously, if something ever happened... And, and look, you do this stuff hoping, obviously, you're never going to have to use it. It's the same as, like, you, you know, have car insurance on your car. You're never planning to go out and have an accident in your car or, or plan for someone to run into your car. But it's kind of nice to know that you pay insurance, so if something did happen, you're covered. And, you know, if your car's written off, then obviously it can get some insurance and you can get into another car and you can keep being mobile. Like I said, and insurance too is also a grudge purchase because, you know, you don't really want to, you know, people shouldn't run into your car. You're going to be careful. You're not going to run into their car, but things happen. So insurance kind of becomes a necessary evil. And it's a bit like, you know, having archives, backing stuff up. It becomes a necessary thing to be able to have your images protected. So talked about earlier, you know, in the podcast about, you know, the other option is to go out and purchase some expansion drives and, and be able to do that as well. So you can, you know, then you need a physical place to store them. So then you've, the considerations are where you're going to have them so they're physically protected because they're now a physical, um, have a physical presence about them. Whereas things like cloud storage is, that's one less consideration. You don't have to you're not thinking about where the where the cloud where the cloud is like where those images are stored but you are taking with cloud you are you know especially with some a third party cloud provider you are you are taking a bit of leap of faith because you you don't know what you know I mean what could happen if if there was a, a natural disaster or something you know some major system meltdown and we've heard you know different platforms where people have had stuff stored where they've actually lost all their um, stuff that's been stored so I think even if you do back up stuff to the cloud and you use that kind of option of the you know having it you still need to have them in multiple places just to give you that safety net so if, if one system breaks down and fails you've got another way to basically get those images back and I think today like it's it's kind of easier than back in the day of film photography because film photography you obviously had your prints and you had your negatives so you had physical uh, items you had to store they were subject to environmental things like temperature and moisture and those types of things so you had to be careful that you didn't have them in a 
in a damp environment because they would get mould on them and, and deteriorate. And obviously you need to, to, you know, keep them dry and safe and that type of stuff. So that um, presented some challenges. So kind of in today's element with, with digital electronic images, we do actually have the advantage that some of those things are easier to manage. But again, it's just getting that discipline. It's getting yourself into the mindset saying, well, okay, I need to do something today. I need to come up with a strategy and I need to practice this and I need to you know, make sure that I follow through because it's great to do it once, but then you need to continuously do it. So you can need to continuously back stuff up, have a system and review it because that's the other thing too is your situation changes, as I mentioned earlier. Maybe having to review your backup procedure that it may change over time. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like in life, everything changes in life. And, you know, at times you have to reevaluate things that you do in life and how you you do things, you know, your job changes or your, your location where you're living changes. It can change a whole lot of situ- things around your situation as far as how you do things so you have to adapt and do stuff and photography is no different you know you you have to kind of adapt and change to to suit whatever's happening to you at that present time so we've been talking about thinking about you know protecting your images and you know having some type of archive and having some type of way to manage that and like I said to be able to do it on a regular basis the other thing to think about, and this you know, gets a little bit more deep and a little bit more, um, I suppose, um, uh, thought-provoking in the way is that, that in the event of something maybe physically happening to yourself, how would people have you set into place a mechanism to let people know where your images are stored, like you know, passwords and um, those types of things? How would people get know what where to find your images if something happened to you? Say, if you, you know, say you were knocked down by a car and you're in a coma and you're you know, in hospital and you know um, things happen to people where people, you're renting somewhere and basically someone has to go and clean out where you're renting because you're, you're not going to be back there for a while or whatever. Or, mean, or, or something even more you know, worse happens and you, and you actually pass away again. These are things a lot of people don't, you don't particularly want to think about these things, but I mean, you've created a, a body of work, you've created these images now, sometimes people create them for different reasons. Sometimes you're creating them because you're getting paid to do it and they have very low value um, to you other than they were a method to produce an income. And a lot of people have personal work that they've done that they're proud of and they've maybe spent a lot of time capturing these images. And, you know, I think most people would like to have some type, leave some type of legacy, like to leave those images and have them in a you know in a place where someone can access them and someone can do something appropriate with them, and it might even be you know thoughtful to think about maybe you've got some final instructions, you know um, what to do with things just to help people understand what should they do, you know if you've got um, an online presence do you want them to keep that online presence happening I mean things like these days things like social media are you know offering people a you can have kind of like a next to kin carer for your social media sites if something happened to you and you were, you know, unable to um, react because, like I said, you might have, you know, fallen ill and not been in a, in a um, position to be able to make decisions readily. 
um, or something else might happen to you. But these things are actually starting to come into play because people are left sometimes trying to deal with the aftermath of what to do, what was that person's, you know, what what was their intention? Do they want us just to delete all these images? And to me, like, it seems like a um, for people who've spent a lifetime creating uh, photographic records, um, for someone just to simply be able to come in and, you know, after the fact, if you've done that all your life and just press delete and get rid of them, I, I think, yeah, a lot of people would probably hope that wouldn't happen. But again, unless you've put some planning and some thought into it, then how do people know what you want to do? Like, how do you want to go? Just just recently there was a, you know, um, fellow um, Australian podcaster passed away and she was a very popular podcaster and a very um, popular photographer and had, had a very great career um, with her photography. And... Um, like I said, so you know the legacy things of what 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 will live on. She did a lot of educational stuff, so I think a lot of people are hoping that legacy will be that her stuff will be available to people, so people can still learn and be enriched by the knowledge that she passed on. So again, um, having having some direction for people to follow, obviously, is going to guarantee that your wishes are actually carried out. So didn't mean to kind of go off and get too kind of. I suppose, um, you know, dark in there and thinking of those things. But I think, you know, we have to be realistic. And again, like the, the whole, I suppose, this episode, really the idea was to think about just having, a, you know, protecting your images and probably protecting them at all different levels, whether it be, you know, like I said, when the, a natural disaster happens and, you, you know, your images are wiped out for whatever reason, wherever they're stored, that you can then go and quickly get images back from another location. So like I said, there's plenty of things to think about, but I think the one thing is to work on, if I was to say here's some homework, go off and develop yourself a, a an archiving plan to develop you, you know, work what works best for you because everyone everyone's situation is going to be different and here there's not one size fits all type solution. What's a solution for one person is not going to be necessarily a solution for the next person. So it's a matter of going off and, like I said, finding the best possible solution for your particular needs. You know, if you're a commercial photographer and you're taking lots and lots of images, you've, you've got to make some decisions on how long you're going to have those images available in an archive. And I look, I know some commercial photographers, once they'd retired, they had disposed a lot of their images other than the, their personal stuff, they, their stuff they'd shot for clients. Because quite often companies that they'd done work for had no no longer exist. I know there's um, we've had um, a gentleman Robert Gray on here who who's was a commercial photographer and he's been going through the process of you know all his work putting into an archive into a website so people can still enjoy it for years and years to come even though he's no longer uh, an active um, commercial photographer. But again, but he. You know, took, it's taken them a couple of years to get all these images and scanning them and collating them and um, putting them into some type of order that and trying to preserve them for the future. But again, it took a it took a some discipline and it took some planning to do that. So this has been photo mission focused discussion photography. We've been talking about archiving and protecting your images. As always, we love your feedback. So if you've got any feedback for the show. By all means, drop us a message or jump on to any of the social media sites that I'm involved with 
you know, if you're in Australia and you want to join a really good photography community, I can recommend the Canon Collective. It is only open, unfortunately, to Australian-based photographers. Even though it's Canon, you can shoot with any different brand of camera. You don't need to be a Canon shooter. We're currently just, you know, just under 20,000 members. It's a fantastic group to obviously learn and um, we've got some things planned for the, I suppose, for the um, coming year. We've got a photo marathon coming up and we've also just completed the Click Awards, which was a photographic award program for the collect people in the collective as a professionally run um, program. So again, look, if you're looking for to connect with photographers in Australia, I recommend jumping in and have a look at the Canon Collective Facebook group. Until next time, happy shooting and have fun. And like I said, I hope you get thinking about keeping your images safe. See you. That's all for this episode this week. Thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment. And don't forget to follow us on your favourite podcast app and social media sites. Remember, photography is a pursuit where there's always something new to learn. Safe and happy shooting, everyone. Thank you.